It is the 17th of August, 2023. It is a Thursday. That means it is time for another AEW Dynamite review here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show podcast. Hello, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. Thank you for being here, whether it's on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, watching this on video or listening to this on your favorite podcast application. I appreciate it tremendously. I thank you so much for allowing me into your ears and you know, if you don't mind, a little like on YouTube and a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts and a little you know, five-star rating on Spotify would help out a great deal. Just little tiny things that you can do to help me feel better about myself. No, I'm kidding. You know, my personality is not all that invested into into this. Like, like, I love pro wrestling, don't get me wrong. That's why I feel like I can talk about it with ease. <laughs> Been watching it for a while on top of that. But, uh, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, I, I don't, like, I, I'm not sinking my entire personality into it. And neither should you. <laughs> Have interests. Enjoy. <laughs> Have fun. Um... So, but today, you know, you know, we like to have fun with wrestling, but I don't know how much fun we're going to have today here on the review, as we will be uh, talking about the August 16 edition of uh, AEW that uh, of AEW Dynamite that took place at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, maybe some of you are like rubbing your finger, your hands together, and going, "Oh, Warren's gonna bury the show." And maybe some of you are doing the opposite, like, well, here we go, Warren's going to bury the show. And I'm not going to bury the show. I think there are things on this that I enjoyed. But the one thing I think that we have to keep in mind is that this, this entire package, everything that was presented on this show last night, because I'm recording this on Thursdays, everything that was introduced, presented to us on this show was in a... a, 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 a an incoherent, I don't want, no, incoherent's not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just a mess. How about that? It was just a mess. The presentation of Dynamite was a mess. And it and it goes from what's being, uh, you know, put forth on television, like the talent, the, the segments, right down to the production. There's something right now happening in, in in on dynamite which feels like those late 2019 dynamites and I'm going to credit Andrew Rich I was chatting with uh, you know fellow uh voice of wrestling contributor and and host of the Music of the Mat podcast which you should absolutely check out and and he pointed it out as like you know that that's exactly the vibe that's the vibe I got from this show you remember those Late 2019 Dynamites where we were sort of all just sitting there going, what is what is happening here? What's going on? And then the new year flips over. Tony Khan sits everyone down in a room and says, okay, now this is how we're doing things moving on. And then we got it. We had a strip of fantastic Dynamites right into the start of the pandemic. Just, and, and now, look, Dynamites have always been hectic. They've always been... Uh, you know, things happening at a breakneck pace. But you could always rally around some things. And the one thing you could always rally around was top quality, top-notch professional wrestling. Long-time listeners of mine, especially of these reviews here, will remember a period 
late 2022, early 2023, where I would sit here and week after week scream into this very microphone how spoiled we were to get such high quality matches, great wrestling programming for free on a weekly basis. Heralding how great this show was. I have colleagues, you know, at that time who were saying, this is probably the greatest weekly wrestling television show ever produced in North America. And I had a tendency to agree with that. But I've been pointing out stuff for weeks, been low on some things, didn't care for Dynamite last week. And overall, my assessment here is that I didn't care for Dynamite this week either. And the more things are progressing, the more the annoying shit is taking over. And we're finding ourselves legitimately, legitimately finding ourselves watching a program which feels like Monday Night Raw Light. And I saw a lot of folks, a lot of folks that I like, chums, acquaintances in some circumstances, but you know, people that, that, you know, that, that, that I chat with, that I respect, that were contorting themselves in circles to try and defend some of the shit that happened last night. And I don't know how they can manage that. Now, we're going to get this straight out of the way, just in case you're new here, just to make sure that I'm Absolutely, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a uh, 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 condescending way. You could. This could be your first encounter with with my with my with my uh, with my opinions here. So you know, I've already hashed through this, but I'm gonna I'm I'm going to to cliff notes it. I have no problems with the matches being set up for Wembley. <laughs> I have no issues at all. I am enjoying the card. I think this is going to be a fantastic wrestling card and history is on my side when I say never doubt an AEW pay-per-view no matter what the build is. My issue with Wembley will always be that they never made the show feel big and spectacular. Never made it feel like the big deal that it legitimately is unfabricated organically truly a big deal the probably the biggest attended wrestling show in the history of pro wrestling outside of you know dictatorships ordering uh, <laughs> citizens to go to the show outside of that but i am not good if you're coming here to hear to expecting me to go, oh, this build is shit. This build. I don't care. All these matches just thrown together so many. I don't care either. Because we have even talked about this when it comes to Wembley. There will inevitably be matches happening at Wembley that are going to be setups for All Out. Wasn't Kenny Omega in a singles match? Because he will likely be in a singles match at All Out. This is Tony Khan's issue. I have, you know, I've got, if it was up, if it was me, I wouldn't be doing back-to-back pay-per-views. That's just me. I don't know about you all, but that's just me. But there's inevitably going to be, there's going to be stuff here that is going to help set up matches. 
for All Out the week after. This is, it's inevitable at this point. I'm enjoying how this card looks. I like the matches. We're going to talk about some as we get along, as we go along here, and we should go along because I've been talking about all of it, but my thoughts on Wembley are such, and they are immovable, and this is Tony Khan's MO. He believes in the late buys. He doesn't believe in the long-term stories, for, not the long-term stories, but the long builds for everything on the card. He just doesn't. Now, would hit... He, you can absolutely do both. You can, you know, build your matches, you know, quickly, last minute, one or two week builds. That's one thing. But you can also make your event feel like a big deal nonetheless. But there's just so much stuff to promote all the time on Dynamite. And you have five hours of programming in a week. Like there is no reason, no observable reason for Wembley to to not be the talk of the town. Because look, the vibe that I have from Wembley right now is that it's just another show. And wrestling fans everywhere should be excited for this. I am excited for the UK fans who are going to get a tremendous show. In a, you know, there, there's going to be 80,000 plus packed into an arena. This is like, it's fantastic. But I'm not seeing the excitement. I'm not seeing people getting out of their seats. I'm not seeing the 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 uh, um, the effervescence from wrestling fans overall because it doesn't feel special. And I'm and we're again we're talking outside of the card and the build. The event doesn't feel special. WrestleMania every year feels special because WWE hammers it over the head hammers you over the head with it telling you year after year look we're already promoting you know because the ticket sales the pre-sale happened and we had how many weeks of packages that it was going to be in philadelphia right and then when we get to the road to wrestlemania even before the fucking road to wrestlemania they're going to still be pelting us with wrestlemania ads and then when we get 128 days left you know 46 days left like that's all we're going to hear. And yes, at some point it gets annoying. And I think there is a there is a balance between the two. And I think, you know, as much as WWE like overdoes it, AEW is at the, you know, the complete other end of the spectrum where they completely underdelivered on that point. And th- but this show feels like it it feels like panic button has been slapped. We need to do things. We need to get some shit out there for this show and now things are just like coming together haphazardly slapdash this is not this is not AEW at its greatest this is this is an AEW where I feel on screen the backstage shit that is happening and I talked about this on the podcast list this week when I was talking about CM Punk and I was wrapping it up saying you know, I wrapped it up by saying, you know, that there's a lot of fans who, who 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 talk about, you know, who cares what happens backstage? It's just CM Punk nonsense. And and you're right to a degree because if it's just Ryan Nemeth being blocked and not being able to show up, that's one thing. But when the backstage shenanigans Im- impact directly what you're watching on television, 
then you can't just like sit around and and be like no 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 and and ignore everything and no 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 see no evil hear no evil see no evil I'm fine so whatever is happening at dynamite and we've heard rumors we've heard tales we've heard stories and I've heard stuff as well how many the tons of people involved in the production of an AEW dynamite per week where it's no longer Tony Khan like in complete control of everything where they're everyone has a, something to say in in, in in and everyone's programs and their stuff just all over the place and that the chaos of dynamite as opposed to the 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 coolness of collision we keep hearing all that i'm if the chaos is contained backstage and i can enjoy a program regardless of what's going on backstage that's a, that's one thing but now i'm feeling the chaos I'm feeling the disorganization. I'm feeling it all as I'm watching on a Wednesday night and I don't care for that. And I don't want that. And this is where it's starting to impact the product. It's starting to impact the product in ways that people who aren't very online, quote unquote, uh, will see a difference and will probably get maybe turned off by it. Especially when we start playing WWE Lite don't try to be like wwe be aew because whatever you try to do to be sports entertaining will always always come sh fall short to what a 50 year old company that has billions of dollars at its disposal can do Let's get into it. 3,392 people were in attendance, according to WrestleTix as of today, Thursday, uh, August 17, uh, for a setup of 4,282. This is um, this is typical. We're we're in the usual we're in the usual averages here. The match started off with the AEW International Title. Orange Cassidy successfully retained against Wheeler Yuta. I always like that we can go back to this feud. That there's always this, 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 um, this uh, animosity between the two. And the day that Wheeler Yuta does get his win on Orange Cassidy is going to be a big deal because he just can't quite, can't quite get over that hump yet. I thought this was good, a good match, but not as good as their match from I think it was February, wasn't it February? Which was really good. They go aggressive on each other, and they're really selling. And when I say they, I mean commentary. They're really selling the idea of. Cassidy being really hurt because he's always on TV. He did take a break last week, but being always on TV, always wrestling, you know, Wheeler is using all of these weaknesses to his advantage. The neck, the orange punch hand, uh, orange Cassidy lands a death rider because the BCC are eventually pop out uh, during this match. So he lands one just to stick it to Mox and Mox goes, all right, that wasn't bad. <laughs> and uh, Cassidy avoids Wheeler's seatbelt and rolls him up for the win. After the match, the Blackpool Combat Club, of course, hit the ring and beat down on Orange. And the best friends come out to, to sort of make the save, but it doesn't quite work out. Then the Lucha Brothers come out. And then finally, Eddie Kingston, fresh off of his G1 excursion, revitalized, re-energized, hits the ring and challenges the Blackpool Combat Club. And whoever they can bring together... 
for a match at Wembley against himself, the best friends, and the Lucha Brothers for a stadium stampede match. Now, first of all, uh, as far as who will be a part of Moxley's uh, crew for the stadium stampede match, for, for all intents and purposes, we know there's going to be some New Japan guys who are going to be in town because some of them are some of them are booked for the Rev Pro anniversary show. So that's one thing. Uh, so, you know, you could immediately think that he's going to go back to Shota Umino, you know, even though, uh, you know, these are heels. It doesn't matter. All this doesn't matter. So, you know, probably, you know, maybe Mox is going to get his, you know, he's going to get his, uh, his other kid uh, a shot here. Uh, will El Desperado be in town? Despi and, 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 um, and Mox are in on it. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, we'll see. We got, you know, one more week. <laughs> we got one more dynamite, one more collision, two more collisions, I should say, at this stage. Um, so who knows what's going to happen. But I am not excited at the idea of a stadium stampede. I don't know what this is about. Uh, if you recall, the stadium stampedes were, right, they were pre-taped. And I really did not care much for the second one. I think we all enjoyed the first one. The stadium stampedes were created to sort of give us something different, something new, something, you know, during the, the misery that was uh, the pandemic era. So, I know, you know, I am glad that we got out of it. And I am glad that we're, you know... I was happy that we were in an environment where we didn't necessarily need cinematic matches anymore. Now, I'm going to contradict myself in a little bit. Trust me. But I'm, I was still happy about it. Now, I'm not going to jump the gun like a lot of people are doing and say, this is terrible. They shouldn't do, you know, why are they doing a, a you know, a cinematic match? It doesn't... <laughs> Maybe it'll maybe it will not be a cinematic match. Maybe they'll do something live and maybe they'll just fight all around the arena. But I'm gonna tell you one thing. Deciding to do a cinematic match when there is uh when there's gonna be 80,000 people in a building and you're gonna be shooting this on screens, that's a that's a hell of a choice. It's a choice. And if they do pre-tape stuff. And broadcast that in front of 80,000 people, that's going to be even more of a choice. I can't, I can't, I can't endorse that if that's what they're planning on doing. Now, if they're just going to go around the building and, you know, do a quote unquote anarchy in the arena in name only kind of thing, just calling it a stadium stampede, but the stadium stampede does, inv does implicate, I think it does involve a little, a couple, few more layers of goofiness, a little more sports entertainment. If you, you know, if I dare go down that road. So I, I can't say I'm excited about it. I can't say I went woohoo. It didn't pop me out of my seat. I'm like, okay, I'm going to reserve. I got look. I've expressed my reservations to you, and I am going to sit back. And I'm going to wait to see what's going to happen on this one because, you know, I don't want to assume that this is going to be pre-taped. I don't want to assume that this is going to be something that is 
uh, going to be at the uh, at the expense of a live crowd. How about that? Let's talk about this when I review the All Out show in a couple of weeks. Jim Ross has his sit-down interview with uh, Kenny Omega. He talks about he being... Kenny talks about how Don Callis was always there for him when he was a kid. And he had a weird childhood with no friends because Don Callis didn't want him to have friends and he gave him protein and weird shit and vials, you know, saying, you know, here, don't worry about it. Take your vitamins. And I'm like, hey, hey, um, I feel like there's a, there could be a criminal case here. <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> um, and he was doing all of this, he being Don Callis, because uh, Kenny would go out and do athletics and bring home medals and trophies. Don's guidance made him the best athlete he could be. And, you know, Kenny tries to remember that about old Uncle Don. Omega says you can't choose, you can choose your friends, but not your family. So he's trying to justify what Don did and wants to move on. And then he talks about he how he and Kenesuke Takeshita go all the way back. See, if you don't see the setup for an all-out match here, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and uh, he's going to take uh, Takeshita away and embarrass Don. And Callus pops up. And uh, Kenny gets to his feet. And then uh, they exchange some words. Callus says, hey, how's your mental health, kid? Telling Jim Ross that I didn't know that we were going to do some therapy here, whatever. And uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson attack. They start to beat him down. Takeshita joins in. Callus you know, mouths, gets mouthy at Omega. So he gets beat, he gets the tar beat out of him, has to be taken to a hospital. We then cut to a promo from Hangman Adam Page, who is, oh, he is 100% at the hospital. He's not, there's an ambulance behind him, right? You saw that, right? He's totally at the hospital. He absolutely is not like just in front of a, just in front of a, uh, you know, uh, a random, uh, you know, loading area um, door, right, gate. You know, of course not. No, 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 no. He's 100% at a hospital. Absolutely was not turned away from a collision building. No, 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 no. And, uh, but he says in London, Omega, he's got Omega's back because these three fools, the Bullet Club, Gold, and, uh, and Takeshita are going to have to deal with Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi in a trios match. He called it a dream team. I'm down with this. I'm excited for this. This is low-key going to be a great match. I am excited for Jay White to be able to add Wembley Stadium to the list of arenas he has single-handedly, he has single-handedly sold out. I'm stoked for that. Uh, and then an EMT walks up and he tells Paige, who's drinking a beer, says, hey, this is a hospital. You can't be drinking a beer. So Paige knocks him back, hands the guy the empty. It's fine. I Look, I, I, I thought this was a pretty good segment. Thank God this was pre-taped. Don Callis then is in the ring and he says, hey, you want to talk about uh, bitch asses or whatever? <laughs> That's all he said. He said, let's continue on. He said, he, what? he brings Chris Jericho down to the ring. Chris Jericho, of course, is there to give Callis his answers to whether or not he's joining the Don Callis family. Um, and despite the fact that Jericho says to him, you know, 
Jericho creates factions. He doesn't join them. He accepts Don's invitation, saying, you know, it's time for me to be selfish, work with someone I know. And Callus seems surprised. And then he's like, hey, let's go hit the town then. Jericho's like, well, hang on. Look, you have a thing over here. You have a whole setup. You have a, you have a, a you know, um, a painting, obviously, that's unrevealed. Why don't we go take a look at that? And Don's like, ah, never mind that kid. Let's go. Let's keep going. Um, but Chris insists, takes the cover off, and it is a painting of Don Callis brandishing the, the, the beheaded cranium of Chris Jericho. He's holding Chris Jericho's severed head in his hand on the painting. Callus please done. He's like, I don't know what this is about. Oh my goodness, there was a confusion here. Artists, what are you gonna do? And Jericho insists that that Callus tells tells the truth. He says, You're a scumbag. So for once in your life, tell me the truth. Callus admits that he's right. You know, uh, you know, he didn't think uh, he's been lying to him. He didn't think in a million years that Jericho would say yes. So he had this prepared, and it's not. But, uh, you know, he, he, he never thought Jericho would accept, not because it wasn't a great opportunity, but because Jericho has a massive ego. It's always been about Jericho in a business full of egomaniacs. He's the biggest, calls him a narcissist, and he doesn't deserve to be a part of the Don Callis family. Jericho calls him a low-life, warm piece of trash asshole. Callis slaps him across the face. Jericho attacks him. Kaneske Takeshita tries to enter the ring, but eats a boot to the face. But then out of nowhere, Will Ospreay appears to take Jericho out with a hidden blade, which we didn't really see because production missed it. Pre let's, take an, let's take a second here to just say how bad AEW production has been consistently bad for weeks at this point. If it's not feedback on the mics, it's you know, missing key moments in matches. And this has happened not just on Dynamite. It's happened on Collision as well. And we even had, wasn't it during the, um, I can't remember during whose, I think it was during MJF's promo, there was static in the mics. Like, what is this rinky-dink shop? What is going on? This is a company that is about to get a huge payout by its broadcasting partners. They're about to, like, get up there TK going, yeah, I can put on a big-time professional wrestling show and you can't even get your shit right. You can't even get a huge interference by an international star right. Like, it looked like um, uh, that uh, Osprey bumped into the cameraman so he could hit his spot. Anyway. So Will Osprey's there. They crack the painting over uh, Jericho's head with the glass and all. He blades... Let's skip to a to a segment a little later on in the evening where Chris Jericho is getting quote unquote cleaned up. Like this is like thirty minutes after, right? The 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 blood has all dried up. You know, I was watching this with Kristen. Kristen was like, "Did they draw that on?" It's like, no, no, no. Like they just left it there, and it's all caked. You know, it's it's coagulated. It's been exposed to air too much. They're just starting to clean them up. But uh, Osprey, not Osprey, but Jericho calls Will Osprey out. Says, you know, you didn't have to hook up with Don Callis if you wanted a match. We were supposed to do one at the Tokyo Dome in 2021, but the pandemic 
you know, just didn't allow that to happen. Uh, which is something that I have heard of in the past. I, you know, I think this is correct that there were rumors that that was going to happen. So he challenges him for Wembley, and he says he's going to drink Will's blood in the middle of the arena. He's going to embarrass him in front of his home, his friends, his family, his countrymen. The Ocho's coming for him. Good little promo. Look, I like this. I, despite the production nonsense, I thought this was good. I enjoyed this. And bringing in Will Ospreay, again, this is something that I've, I've heard of and I was hinting at in various audio pieces that I've been doing here on the, on the podcast. This is something that I had heard was happening and I'm glad they're doing it. Now, I've seen a fair amount of people going, this is a terrible match. Why are they doing this? And I don't know what planet these people are living on outside of maybe letting their personal feelings about Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho get in the way. Look, they're divisive. People, uh, there's a, there, there are large organized contingents of people who are very anti-Jericho for his political beliefs and so on and so forth. And that's, I, I can't argue that. That's, that's fair. There are people who hate hate Osprey for multiple reasons, you know, for his, you know, I've never seen a guy who's never done anything wrong in speaking out get shit on so hard, but, you know, you know, he's been accused of falsehoods that have all been disproved as well, and look, we're not going to get into that, but there's still a lot of people who cannot stand the guy. But this is a big match, and I don't know what to tell you. This is a huge match and if you do not think for a second that this match is not going to be bare minimum is not going to rule you have not been watching will osprey will osprey can get a fantastic match out of it he could get a fantastic he could i legitimately believe will osprey could get a three and three quarter star match out of me So I'm excited for this. It's going to rule. And I can't blame. Look, I can't get in the way of anyone who have very firm beliefs about these people and how they act and how they are. And I can't change that. You know, if you want pro wrestling analysis from me, if you want, if you want to look at this through the lens of what are these people capable of? What do they do in the ring? What is their position as star? These are two massive superstars. Chris Jericho is still 100% capable of quote-unquote going still at his age. And Will Ospreay is the greatest wrestler on planet Earth right now. And this is, you know, I don't think I'm using hyperbole here. This is a big-time match. This is a big-time match for this show. The only question I have here moving forward is, is Osprey really going to be heel? Is going is he really going to be considered the heel in the UK? Ah, it's going to be coming in with it with his IWGP UK Championship. Ah, that's a that's the only thing I'm questioning here. But I'm excited for this match. This is a good match. We get a Jack Perry pre-tape. He's calling himself Mr. Wednesday Night now after defeating Rob Van Dam. And he says next week he's going to retire the FTW title. All righty. 
Darby Allen and Nick Wayne have their match against the Gates of Agony. They won it, by the way. The Gates attack um, our, our uh, Pacific Northwest boys here during the entrances. And they beat the shit out of the babyfaces here. Nick Wayne specifically. He's babyface in peril for the, most of this match. And uh, the end comes with a stereo moonsault coffin drop from uh, both uh, Wayne and Allen respectively. Strickland and Fox came out to watch this match, by the way, which is, it was fine. It was, look, here's, here's something that you need to know about Dynamite last night in case you, you, you didn't know. Uh, only one match punched through the 10-minute mark. And that should, that should tell you a lot about what happened, what kind of things were going on. There's only one match that went past the 10-minute mark last night. Um, no, that's, that's not exactly right. One barely scraped by. There were two. But, I look, this match was fine. If we're coming back to the Gates of Agony, Darby Allen, Nick Wayne match. Uh, but I thought this was the, this was my least favorite Gates of Agony match in a while. Because I, you know, I've been extremely high on these dudes. Um, yeah. Anyway. It was short. Like it was cage match has it at six minutes twenty seven. Like it's what? What are you supposed to? Anyway, after the match, though, Sting appears on screen. He tells Strickland, who's you know out there watching the match. He says he's directing movies too now, and he's channeling Joker Sting here. He's doing. He's even doing the facials. He's got a little red here, little tinges of red on. He had some last time he came to the ring, too, when he chased Strickland away. And now he says his leading man is Prince Nana, who's sitting right next to him on a couch. Nana's confused. So am I. And he's asking what Sting want, why Sting wanted to see him. And uh, Sting says they're having a pay-per-view in nine days. And Nana corrects him and there's 11 days. And then Sting, it's, it's going to be showtime. Nana flees. I don't know what all of this was about. Like, I don't get me wrong. Uh, Joker Sting is fine, and I think you know if we're gonna, you know, if this if this is the tail end of Sting's career, and we want to revisit different eras of of Sting, uh, sure, let's go in with the Joker Sting. There's more than enough, uh, uh, you know, memories associated with that. But I, I don't know what this segment. I don't know what this was. I just I just don't know what it was. You know, on one hand, I'm like, that's Joker Sting. Look at him. He's being goofy. But the, I don't know what this was about. You know, Nana fled. I, I don't know what this was about. MJF and uh, Adam Cole have a pre-tape. Um, what am I saying? It's one of their skits at an Outback Steakhouse. Uh, and they do the most tired and unoriginal and uninteresting Australian jokes. Uh, folks, this was terrible. This was bad. It, I don't think this was funny in the least. I think this is... The, as much as I thought the Chinese restaurant Oi So Hot stuff was awful, I think this was worst. Worse. Listen to the jokes they're pulling out here. The kind of jokes that I am sure Australians don't even get mad about anymore. You know, we're Crocodile Dundee. We're in 2023, folks. Crocodile Dundee. We're doing jokes about kangaroos. We're doing crikey jokes. This is probably, look, this is probably the kind of shit that Australians look at and like, hey, get some new material. All right. This is tired. You know, I was expecting the de at some point. I really was. A boomerang joke. 
You know, this is the kind of stuff that, that you know, when, when the when we heard what they wanted to do with Shane Haste, everyone was like, oh, what are they doing? Stereotypes and so on. And now they're doing it here and everyone's, and there's a lot of people going, bravo, this is comedy gold. Where I'm like, this is dumb. It's like when people tell, you know, tired, stupid jokes. It's like when I meet an American, you know, and the American, you know, and they go, oh, you're, you're from Canada, eh? You know, it's like, and I'm like, yes, and get, just get new material. It's not even, it's, it doesn't make me mad. It doesn't frustrate me. It doesn't frustrate me. It doesn't even offend me. I'm just like, yes, yes, get, just get new material. Just try something else because this, it's just not funny. It, I'm not even offended by it. I'm not going to talk for Australians. I'm just saying, if I'm Australian and I'm watching this, I'm not offended. I'm just like, Christ, can't we just move on? Just new material. Be funny. This was not funny. There was nothing funny about this. And I don't understand people who found this funny. I, I, I honestly don't. And I know there's a lot of you who hang out in the Discord and who I chat with. And I don't understand. I thought this was not offensive. It's not even a question of that. I thought this was boring. These are all jokes I've seen and heard before. And it was cringeworthy. The Outback stuff. Yeah, my God. 2023 and we're doing Bloomin' Onion jokes. What is this? Infinitely dumb and stupid. None of these segments. Again, and here... What have I been saying week after week after week? The feud, the, the relationship, excuse me, between MJF and Adam Cole always furthers better the minute they hit the ring and do, and do promos and stuff. And it's the same thing again tonight. After they arrive with the Ferrari and they have Roderick Strong kick the, kick the wheels of the Ferrari and, and hurt his foot... This is all so dumb. Like it is, it is all so infinitely dumb. The boys hit the ring, they cut their promos, and it's good. And it's advancing the story. It's putting layers onto the relationship that this comedy bullshit, which is not even funny, is not working. It's not working. Let me say that again. It's not working for me. I'm going to nuance this because it is working because it's a ratings grabber. It's a, and you know who you have to thank for that? Everyone watching and who's like, man, this MJF, Adam Cole, buddy, buddy, you know, uh, odd couple stuff that they've been doing, you know, all these little skits. It's been so great. All you have to do is thank the bloodline. I hope you all have Christmas cards set up for Roman Reigns and company because this, this is something that we are unfortunately going to be subjected more and more to because this shit works and I don't understand it. I don't understand how anyone finds this funny. I don't know why we need it in the first place, but I don't understand why, I need, but it's working. And cheers to you if, you if you find amusement in this. I don't get it. I don't. I think it's unoriginal. I don't think it's funny. I didn't smirk. I didn't smile. I didn't chuckle. I not even. I hell far cry from a from a guffaw. Nothing. I thought this was stupid as hell. But once they're in the ring, cutting their promos. Now we're getting to some meat. Now we got some 
pro wrestling shit happening. Now this is this works and it adds layers to this friendship that they have. Adam Cole starts and he starts talking about winning the Ring of Honor titles. Says it's important for his legacy and especially because he wasn't sure he wanted, you know, it's important for his legacy, especially since he was told that he might not ever be able to wrestle again. You know, he he wasn't sure if he wasn't going to be able to do it. So for him, winning the, the Ring of Honor titles, it's important. But it's also important for him to win the, the AEW title for the same reasons. And he tells Max, he tells him, he says, the second the bell, ring, the bell rings, I'm going to do everything and anything to win the title. MJF, he tells his story about running the roads, about how, you know, uh, how he joined the first all-in card, you know, after DMing Cody. Cody Rhodes' name getting massive boos from the AEW audience. Uh, and, uh, you know, and he mentioned how uh, Cole was one of his two dream opponents. He talked about growing up in, in front of us, you know, into a generational talent, the devil himself, one of the best to ever do it, and into the AEW world champion. And now he gets the main event, the biggest show in company history with one of his dream opponents who has become his best friend. And if he thinks he's going to lay down for Adam Cole, he's out of his damn mind. Ozzy Open attacks out of nowhere. I think it's fine. I would have allowed the champions to get a little heat here though. Because Ozzy Open are not, you know, they're not super proven commodities for AEW fans, if that makes sense. So I, I would have let the champs get some heat here. But anyway, Cole and MJF chased them off. Tease the double clothesline, which Mark Davis is like, <laughs> Mark Davis is like, no! <laughs> He's like terrified of it. Uh, and then they tease this, this stupid kangaroo kick. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Then... Cole sort of waits to super kick Max. It sort of looks like that's what he's going to do. Max turns around and is like, wait, what are you doing? They hug it out again. I'm telling you, the pre-show has Adam Cole full, when they lose, has Adam Cole full on turning. This is, this right here, this promo right here that we got from Adam Cole specifically lays the groundwork for him turning on MJF at the pre-show. I'd absolutely do it at the pre-show. 100% do it at the pre-show. They lose. No more titles. The only title that's left for, for Cole to win is the, is the world championship. And he's like, okay. And you know what I do? You want to hear something bold that I'd do if I were Tony Khan? I'd have Adam Cole beat MJF for the title in Wembley. And MJF win it back a week later. Who cares? And it'd just make, it'd just be surprising. It'd be interesting. It would keep us from talking about CM Punk. That would be some great, some actual great conversations to have. That's just me. So again, pre-tapes, shit, in-ring stuff, fantastic. But this is where everything started going downhill. With the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch. And I was like, wait, there's a new... They're doing a new movie? No, it's for a video game. And this... Look, I started taking notes. And then at some point, I closed my notebook. And I was like, no. That's it. This sucked. This was bad. All of this was bad. It was... Look, Jeff Hardy 
you know, in, you know, in the bowels of the arena, still going hardy when there's no audience around them, just a camera. They have, why are there tools set up on a door? There's mood lighting atmosphere, but the quality of AEW production these days cannot maintain this level of product, any level of production where we actually see what the fuck is going on. And then the attacks start and then everyone jumps in, right? Uh, Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal and then you have uh, Matt Hardy and you know look I, I dis- the, the, the one thing one thing that I thought was cool was the visual of Singh choking Matt, uh, Jeff Hardy I thought that was very cool well shot everything else complete disaster poorly lit a mess confusing Production was awful. You know what I told you earlier? I was going to contradict myself when it comes to talking about cinematic matches. I thought this was going to be a cinematic match. And I was already going to... Uh, but this is my thought process. coming into. I sincerely thought this was going to be a cinematic. I was like, well, look. They want to promote the, the, the video game. Okay. Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy might as well be a cinematic where they can hide everything. They, they can hide all the weaknesses and focus on just delivering a, a you know, a, a dumbass, silly story in the last five minutes and we'll never speak of it again. But this was terrible. They decided to do this live. You know, Jeff, Bo, Jeff Hardy, I, I don't know if he, look, he just seemed not there. He seemed, you know, everything was, was soft. Everything looked like it required tons of effort. And then, you know, Jared doing whatever he can. And then all the people around it, this sucked. This was embarrassing. And everyone involved in it should feel bad. This is the kind of shit where if someone were to walk in with watching with me watching this, I'd be like, oh, and I'd probably switch the channel. Because I felt embarrassed watching that. And then there's discussions going around talking about well what was worse was it this or the the wwe zombie match or the pitch black match like who cares why are we trying why are we trying to you know squeeze the good out of the dirt worse shit trying to are you trying to make yourself feel better because this is your favorite promotion and you're trying to, well, it wasn't so bad because, you know, the zombies this and the pitch black that. This was bad. Don't try to make yourself feel better. If you enjoyed it, just, okay. Set up a, you know, set up a little, uh, you know, a little, uh, give yourself a little pat on the back. It's like, you know what? I didn't think this was so bad. Good for you. But objectively, objectively, this was a terrible segment a terrible match and it sucked the energy out of the crowd this audience did not recover for the finals for the the the, the rest of this ma- for the rest of this card they were sitting on their hands for the women's match and not even the fucking young bucks could get this crowd back into it this murdered there was a chainsaw massacre it's the audience who died and I don't blame them. This stunk. 
again, there's, a, there's a, an entire promotion that exists where you can watch this kind of shit on a weekly basis. What if WWE had done it? Was it yes? Would they have done it? Would they have done it better? Look, I'll tell you one thing. WWE would have made sure that we would see the action. There would have been lighting. Sure, it would have been a little more contrived. Sure. But we would have seen what's going on. There were entire swaths of this match that just happened in the dark. Nothing is redeemable in this. And if you think this is the last that we're going to see of this kind of shit, it is not. Because this is what people, because this is what's, this is the, the, the sports entertaining stuff. Forget about the idea that this was a sponsored match. Aside from that, this is the kind of stuff that people point to and go, hey, WWE is doing great. Look at the success of the Slim Jim match. Look at the success of the Pitch Black match. This is the kind, big time pundits, not just D-level guys like me, big time analysts out there saying, well, it's working because there's ratings, because there's sponsorship money, but it's still dreck. So while the other guys are doing it, why would Tony Khan be going, to, uh, well, maybe we should do something like this. And good on Tony Khan, legitimately, for saying, you know what? This money, that with the sponsorship money, we're all going to donate it, fight for the fallen, the Maui food bank, and that's commendable. Absolutely, thumbs up on that. I got, no I got nothing to say bad about that, and that is, that is a good thing. And he was tweeting through this match. Doing that, we have to change a lot of stuff. It's like, stop making excuses, Tony. It, it, uh, the excuses don't work. The, we had to change things. Things were complicated. People were injured. Like, Christ, with the size of the roster you have, with the number of people producing matches for you on a weekly, weekly basis, on five hours of fucking programming a week. Oh, things changed. Yes, things change. It's not an excuse for this kind of just terribly, poorly thought out garbage like this and you know what here's the thing you can absolutely commend the act on one hand and then on the other hand completely bury the act the intent and the result is great but the act itself trash you don't have to be i don't have to mitigate how i feel about the match because it was for a good cause the good cause is getting its due here and that is a tremendous thing for AEW to do. I've got no qualms with it, but as a person sitting down to watch a thing, this sucked. I'm already fed up talking about this. See, th this is the point. This is where everything starts to fall off. I would argue, if it wasn't for the, the good promo in-ring promo segment between MJF and, 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 and Cole I'd say it was at the vignette that everything started to fall off but this entire show was a mess so Britt Baker defeated the bunny no surprise there another very very ordinary match I got like I've got nothing to say here 
Brit, Brit wins with the stomp. To the shock of whom? And I am not saying this, mind you, because, oh, you know, of course Brit has to be involved in this. I am a staunch Brit Baker supporter. I do not understand why she gets the hate she does. I honestly do not. She is the only real deal superstar in that company. She should be everywhere. She should be fronted everywhere. She talks her way into, she talked her way into the spot she is there and they're not even giving the woman mic time anymore. She, for a while, was one of the faces of the company. But Tony saw all these piss babies on, on Twitter. And, eh, she always gets all the opportunities. What about X? What about Y? And yet, she's a star. She gets star reactions. I, this, there will never be. Don't want to say never. But for the foreseeable future, I will always... I will always be a Britt Baker guy. No, she's not the greatest pro wrestler in the world, but that's not where her strengths come from. The acclaimed uh, come out to have a squash match. The lights go out before anything really happens and the House of Black appear and and they've uh, taken out the acclaimed and they steal Billy Gunn's Boots, um, I guess, you know, the House of Black need better salaries if all they can do, if all they need, excuse me, if what they need to do is steal other people's gear, I think they need to raise. But again, like, this is something so slapdash and, like, I, I don't know. Like, everything at this point is exhausting and just stuff, you know, stuff just coming together and being quizzical and weird just a weird fucking episode of Dynamite. One that... Uh, main event, the Bucks and the Guns. You know, I thought it was okay. Nothing more. I thought the Bucks brought out the best out of the Guns here. But, I mean, we're not talking, you know, five-star classic in the Dome here. You know, I, I, it was fine. It was okay. It was a good good little match. But, you know, I thought this had... This was... This, this was okay, you know. And I enjoyed the segment at the end. You know, the crowd is still out of it, you know. Um, the... Uh, you know, the Bullet Club Gold come out and then FTR come out for the save, which is still, in my opinion, the hottest match that they have, the biggest match that they have on the card. That's just me. For, for Wembley. Look, a weird-ass dynamite with a lot of things that you, as a pro wrestling fan, should be concerned of happening on this show. We're having the backstage stuff leaking into the programming. And this is when it no longer becomes a problem for just very online people. Because people who aren't very online will look at this and be like, I don't, I, this is too much. This did not work. Lots of misses here. I enjoyed probably the first like unquestionably like the first 40 minutes of the show you know i didn't quite understand the the sting thing but you know joker sting and whatnot i'm like okay all right let, let's move on like it wasn't that big a deal and i was ready to move on but then when we got the outback steakhouse and you know 
croaky shit. And I was like, okay, now I'm starting to check out. And the and then it was just miss after miss after miss. I don't know what's going on. But whatever's going on right now should be a concern. If you... Yeah, look, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that for today. Not an outright burial of the show, but a weird show. I don't think it was a good show. Don't think it was terrible either. But the bad here really shine through the bad stuff really shine through and there's more and more of it as dynamite moves on and i am missing i am missing first quarter dynamite first quarter 2021 2023 dynamite i'm missing it i don't know what happened i don't know why we're here but it does feel like whatever's happening backstage conflicts not necessarily conflicts the number of people involved you know the tons of producers they have it's starting to feel it's starting to show on the program that this shit is not working i'm gonna leave it at that thank you for being here hopefully i will be back on sunday with a in a more joyous attitude uh, i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that this was good when it was not right and you, can, and you are more than, more than welcome to disagree with me. Feel free to do so in the comments. I love you all. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Likes, reviews, ratings, and all that stuff. I'll be back Sunday. I'll see you next time.